0: The Jeffrey Combs' throbbing, twitching pineal gland of horror podcasts This is episode number 4 Which is the final blowout episode of my October Horror Movie Marathon Rundown Where I watched 31 horror movies One for each of the 31 days of October My name is Sir Ian Dangerous Also known as Uncle Frank And over the last 3 episodes of this podcast I have discussed the first 21 movies in my month-long marathon. And today, I will be tearing down the final stretch and going over the last 10 films I watched and what I thought of them, along with where you can watch them yourselves. And I am dedicating this show today to the recently departed James Karen. Uh, if you know, don't know who he is, he was the, the older one of the kind of the goofy buddies in Return of the Living Dead, one and two. He was also the foreman in Poltergeist, or the boss in Poltergeist. Uh, so he'd passed away recently He's a horror icon And uh, a, a, a cast member of one of my favorite movies of all time Return of the Living Dead So rest in peace Mr. Karen This show is for you So this show today As I said we're running down the last 10 movies in my marathon Also I asked our listeners over the last couple of shows What movie moment scared them the most what, what scene stuck with them long after they watched it and I have the final round of my responses that I received to that, along with revealing my own. What scene scared me the most, freaked me out the most? Plus, we have a top ten list as well. And since I've been doing this marathon for a few years now, I'm going to give a top ten list at the end of the show of the best discoveries from all of the years of 3431 October horror-thons that I've been doing. All the movies that I feel kind of slip through the cracks people might not know about. And I want to recommend them ones that, ones that surprised me They came out of nowhere So, But first, before we get into the show I do want to once again thank my musical contributors The Tiki Creeps and 414 Beg They are both on iTunes And the Tiki Creeps are at TikiCreeps.com. And 414 Beg can also be found on Instagram At 414BEG Now, of course, if you haven't yet Please subscribe to Horrorpalooza on your podcast app of choice. Thank you for finding us. Thank you for checking us out. But hit that subscribe button because this will continue. There will be more episodes after this. And uh, if you want, leave a review and or a rating. Let me know what you think about the show. And share us with your friends. We are on the Orbital Jigsaw Network at orbitaljigsaw.com. And you can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, etc., etc. We're all over the place, so it's easy for anybody to listen to it, uh, no matter what kind of setup that they have. Also, if you like pro wrestling, you can check me out on my other podca- podcast called Busted Wide Open. Which is where Nick Howell and I run down the news and hottest topics about sports entertainment pro wrestling, WWE, New Japan, Ring of Honor, uh, local stuff like PWG, etc., etc. It's a lot of fun. That's busted wide open, also on the Orbital Jigsaw Network. And if you want to at me, you can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous or at Skinless Wonder. So if you are just joining me or if you've been listening and you want a refresher uh, I have to run down my rules again. so when I do this marathon I've set up some rules for myself I have six rules that I have to follow in order to make it interesting for myself and of course also to make me go out and search for new movies that I might not have seen before. so here are the rules number one I can't have watched I can't watch anything that I've watched in the last, Five years, and that makes me keep it fresh. Nothing watched in the previous five years counts towards my 31 movie total. Rule number two, multiple movies from the same franchise count as one. I cannot watch Nightmare on Elm Street one through a million, because it'll only count as one movie. Uh, Number three, at least three languages other than English must be represented. I have to have at least three foreign language films uh, of different languages. I can't do two Movies of the same language So that one makes it a little complicated for me sometimes And four, this one's the real tough one I have to have at least one film from every decade Pre-1950s to present In other words, I have to have the 40s and before 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s The 2000 aughts and the 2000 teens Each one having at least one movie representing it Uh, And then the last two rules are the easy ones. They must be horror movies, of course. I have to be able to make an argument that they're horror movies, and I have to watch them in the month of October. Spoiler alert, I accomplished number six. They were all watched in October. So, a quick recap. So far, I have watched. Day one was Twins of Evil, uh, which I watched on a Blu-ray from the 70s. Uh, Day two, Hold the Dark, it's on Netflix. That's from the 2010s. Day 3 was The Girl with All the Gifts It's on Amazon Prime And that was from the 2010s as well Uh, Day 4 was The Wailing Which is on Netflix It's Korean, it was my Korean language movie It was from the 2010s as well Day 5 I went back to the 50s And watched Creature with the Atom Brain Which is on Amazon Prime Day 6 I watched The Resurrected From the the 90s That one's on Blu-ray Day 7 I watched Terrifier which is a very new one from the 2010s, on Netflix. Day 8, The Horrors of Malformed Men, which I rented on iTunes. It's from the 60s. Bizarre Japanese film, and that uh, that clocked my second foreign language film. Uh, day 9, I watched Howling 3, regrettably, on Amazon Prime. That was from the 1980s. Day 10, I went to Hulu and watched Piwacket. That was in the 2010s. Uh, day 11, The Raven with Vincent Price. On Amazon Prime right now That's from the 1960s Day 12 was The Brain That Wouldn't Die Also on Amazon Prime from the 60s Day 13 was 19 In the 1980s And that was on Shutter. It was The Gate was day 13 Day 14 was Winchester Which was a rental on iTunes And that was from the 2010s Day 15 was also A, a rental that was Lights Out From the 2010s Day 16, World War Z from the 2010s. That was a rental. Day 17, Wishmaster from the 90s. I got that one on Blu-ray this year on a little four Blu-ray collection that's actually pretty cheap to get right now. But because uh, Wishmaster is a fun one. Day 18 was the crazies, the 2010 version, another one I bought on Blu-ray. Day 19 off the shutter streaming service was the Asphyx from the 1970s. Day 20 was the old dark house from way back in the 30s that's on shutter and finally picked my ass up went to the theater on day 21 and watched the brand new 2018 Halloween so that is where I'm at so far and so far I've accomplished all of my goals except I'm missing one film from the 2000 odd decade that's the one decade I haven't filled yet and I'm missing one film from my minimum foreign language quota so I still have to watch one more foreign language film and one more film from the 2000 aughts in order to to hit all of my goals. So we'll find out today if I manage to do it in time. So let's find out right now. And then don't forget to stick around after to find out my top 10 horror palooza discoveries and the final round of listeners' scariest movie moments. So that's coming up after the marathon rundown. But here it is right now, the last 10 movies of... This year's October Horror Palooza, Day 22, The Wicker Man from 1973. It's an English film. Uh, it is on Shudder. You can stream it on Shudder. However, I do have a caveat about that, which I'll get to in a second. The movie's about this very, very religious Christian cop played by Edward Woodward, the equalizer himself. He goes to a funky little Scottish island to find a missing girl, and he finds a bunch of crazy pagans instead. And then hilarity ensues So right off the bat uh, There's a difference between the movie that's on Shudder And the Blu-ray version Which is the one I watched Even though it is streaming on Shudder You can watch it there The one on Shudder is the original theatrical cut They have released an extended cut Which is I guess you could call the director's cut Even though they're not calling it that It has more footage in it And it makes the intentions of the film a little bit more clear Right off the bat Because in the beginning It actually shows an extended scene Of the cop in a church And it kind of defines the Christian myth And ritualistic practices A little bit more so In order to contrast it And contextualize the pagan ones On the island later Kind of drawing a parallel in there And making you think Well what is so different about And then that's about the Christian uh, Stuff that they're showing here And how strange it would seem if you were an outsider coming in and had your own beliefs These uh, These these same pr- like Rituals that the Christians have Would be very odd to someone coming in from the outside So Obviously he gets to this island There's a lot of weird stuff going on Really weird stuff going on This is a really great movie It's one of my favorite movies And I have not seen it in a long long time And I missed this movie It's so weird uh, So Again, check out, if you can, the final cut Because it does flesh out everything The di- the dynamics a little bit more uh, But it's worth a watch regardless If you can't get a hold of it, just watch the original version I will warn you right ahead As I said, it's weird And one of the things that's weird about it is the music There's this very sort of peaceful, sweet, childlike folk music Throughout the entire thing So there's these sinister things going on and contrasting with this really sweet, innocent folk music. And it makes the sinister elements even scarier. Like how, you know, some movies will use children's music or like a toy box. It kind of feels like that a little bit. Uh, one of the songs that's a standout is uh, one of the songs called Willow's Song. And <laughs> the scene when it's actually performed in the movie is uh, certainly a juxtaposition with the sound of the song. But I actually originally heard the song when it was covered by the sneaker pimps of all things of all bands uh they did a good cover of it it's a beautiful song but it's just so weird to have it where it is in this movie check the movie out you'll see what i mean there are some notable actors in this ingrid pitt from all the hammer horror films has a, a smaller part in it uh you can definitely watch it for Britt Eklund if you're into some uh gorgeous 70s ladies she has a very notable dance scene Speaking of Willow's song And of course, Christopher Lee Plays the leader of the pagans And he is, has a really fun part here It's not often we get to see Christopher Lee be so capricious For lack of a better word He's, he's very uh, fun He has a lot of fun with this And he's having a lot of fun Telling a very devout servant Of the Christian God That his God blew it and is dead. Seeing Christopher Lee kind of relish saying that God is dead is uh, worth the price of admission. Also, seeing him in drag is a lot of fun too. It's, you know, seeing Dracula in drag. You don't get to see it every day. So, worth a watch. People have asked if it's really a horror movie. Go watch this movie, check out the ending. It's one of the most legit fucked up endings in cinema history. Do not, whatever you do, do not watch the Nick Cage version that came out a few years ago. It's an abomination. I'm sorry it has the same name And people think of it when they think of The Wicker Man Because the original movie is a great movie It is very 70s, but worth a watch Just keep in mind, it is very 70s That was uh, The Wicker Man on day 22 Day 23, I watched A Cure for Wellness One that's been recommended to me for a couple of years It came out in 2016 Uh, I was given it on a Blu-ray I believe you can rent it though On most rental services uh, it's about a slimy New York City stock guy, or man-child, I guess. He's forced to go into this, this creepy Alps spa to retrieve his boss for some business dealings. And uh, frankly, the first hour is great stuff. Uh, it's really, really creepy, and it feels like we're heading into this dark fairy tale about the excesses of the modern world and capitalism but we're not, we're not at all. It turns into schlock um, a little bit before it's really ham-fisted double ending. It's like, it's like two or three different endings to this movie. And, it's, and that's way after we figured out what's going on, if you're paying attention. Uh, that's, and, and if you're paying attention, you figure it out a long time before the main character figures it out, which makes this e- extremely long bloated runtime and the slow pace kind of a chore to get through. And it's a gorgeous movie. Let's not let's not get anything wrong here. It is absolutely scintillating to look at. It was directed by Gore Verbinski, uh, who did The Ring and the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. He absolutely knows how to make an incredible visual shot in his camera. And it's worth it, frankly, to see how good-looking it is. But it is hard to get through, and there's a lot of points in the movie where I felt it got redundant... And there's a lot of points where I thought that they went, they lost sight of what this movie could have been and took the easy way out. Uh, it did not feel original in the end, and it spins its wheels for a long time for such a basic premise. And it never pays off on those early promises of subtext. In fact, it tosses them right out the window along with a boatload of logic and it leaves a bunch of plot holes as it passes through the window. There's a... Yeah, it's it's a lot to pick apart in this movie. I was sadly a bit disappointed in it, uh, although there's a lot of things to like about it, and it's worth checking out at some point because it is good-looking. There's some really creepy stuff in here. I feel like it just missed the mark, and that's too bad because A Cure for Wellness has a lot going for it. Day 24, I went the total other direction... To 1981 and uh watched Cannibal Ferox, the Italian it's like an Italian US collaboration. It's currently on shutter right now. And it definitely falls into the 1970s cannibal movement in movies, 70s, early 80s cannibal movement in movies is one of the uh one of the the big ones in that movement, even though it did come after a lot of the more famous ones, and uh is definitely In their shadow in a lot of ways So it's three teens Trying to prove that cannibalism Doesn't exist by heading to Paraguay And they're they're all uh, college students not uh, Teens, college students, who gives a crap They're going to Paraguay To prove that cannibalism doesn't exist And of course cannibalism Ends up happening But they cross paths with a drug dealer Who has pissed off the natives And uh, because the natives get pissed off Cannibalism occurs Hilarity ensues This movie is very vested in gross-out exploitation and shock factor. Uh, You've got some bug and grub eating early on just to show, ooh, it's creepy, it's weird, people are acting, and it's real bugs, real grubs. And there's also some, like a lot of the cannibal films have become known for, there's a lot of legit animal cruelty in this. You've got uh, animals tied to stakes and fed to other animals. You have animals being uh, slaughtered for food on film, and they really revel in showing you that. And, you know, I will say, unlike what happens to the turtle in Cannibal Holocaust, where it really is the torture and killing of an animal, uh, in this, it seems like they're going more for letting animals kill other animals with ins- with the exception of one scene. Uh, but it's still, it's unacceptable. And it's really hard to watch. That's a, you can do whatever you want to a human, and I know it's fake, and I know it's all you know prosthetics or special effects, but doing it really to an animal really makes it a hard watch. And I can honestly say I will never watch this movie again because of that. And there is some really hard stuff besides that. Uh, this movie definitely tries to outdo Cannibal Holocaust in a lot of ways, in terms of shock factor, the kind of physical damage done to the people in the movie, as well as the animal cruelty. Um, and it, you know, a lot of times it feels like it was done just to get the controversy to get more exposure. Uh, I will say at a certain point there is a feeling of who will survive and what will be left of them, uh, more so than Texas Chainsaw, for sure. Um, and all of this is contrasting with the, the typically insane disco music that you get in these kinds of, of Spanish and Italian movies from the era. There's these really happy disco music going on in the background. It's bizarre. So, as with a lot of films of this genre and this style, they're trying to show how the lack of civility in the so-called civilized people causes this bestiality, or bestiality, excuse me, let's not get this confused. There's no bestiality. The bestiality and inhumanity that, that, that they feared that they would receive from the savages, they wouldn't have received it if they weren't so bestial themselves. And whether or not it hits that mark is irrelevant. It's This is, this is a... a not a good movie and it's you know they're trying to work with big themes uh that they really have no intention of actually creating a movie that uh, about they're here to shock and freak you out and that's it and that's one thing that you can defend about cannibal holocaust is that it does actually make its point in the end and it does it well but in this movie does not and if you've seen eli roth's the green inferno which he put out recently this movie has more in common with that than Cannibal Holocaust does. A lot of people compare that movie to Cannibal Holocaust. It's more like this movie, and I mean that in a bad way. Uh, this actually has the ending that Green Inferno took, uh, which is surprisingly not that bleak. It's a much less bleak than a lot of similar films, and it j- it's, very, it's very odd, tonally. So, I do not recommend Cannibal Ferox unless you really want to see some vicious stuff, and it does have some vicious stuff in it. Uh, So good luck checking this one out. Day 25, I had to have something lighter to cleanse the palate, so I watched Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein from 1948. It was a a rental on Amazon for about 4 bucks, And uh, honestly, I had a lot of fun with this. Haven't seen it since I was a kid, kid, kid. And it is great for kids. It is still has all of those universal monster movie tropes, and it's a lot of fun. But, uh, you know, it is it is definitely a comedy first and foremost. It's the uh, the boys, Abbott and Costello, wind up in a conspiracy to revive Dracula and then help him make Frankenstein unstoppable. Yeah, who gives a crap about the plot? It's just a bunch of gags and it's a lot of fun. But they, they must have dropped some coin on this movie when they made it because the production values are great. It looks great. So the sets are awesome. Uh, the effects are fantastic. The makeup looks good. There's... It's it's tons of fun There's jokes And the humor is still funny The jokes and the humor are still funny Uh, And Bella Lugosi is here as Dracula I think it's the last time he played Dracula Actually, he would have been in his early 50s When he did this But it's still cool He still got it He still gets the character Uh, And also you have Lon Chaney Jr., Reprising his his turn as the Wolfman. And he actually has a lot to do. They did a lot with Lon Chaney in this movie, and he's having a lot of fun with it. You can tell everyone's having a lot of fun here. The only sad thing is, Frankenstein really isn't in that much. And it's, well, Boris Karloff wasn't playing him. Uh, but, you know, it's still, it's fun to see all these guys on screen at the same time. And there's a cameo at the end. There's a cameo at the end that also really drives it home as, as just being a good... Who's who of Universal monster movies And a little nod to horror fans Loved it, fun for the whole family Still enough OG Universal in it To really enjoy So check out uh, Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein if you haven't Obviously if you have, you know it's a classic Day 26, I watched The Unnameable Which uh, was an 80's movie uh, It is from the US And I watched it on Blu-ray Because like, you cannot find this thing Anywhere else It's uh, It was... Hard to find for a long time I remember it being on VHS At the at the movie store when I was a kid And then I didn't see it for years and years and years It popped up on my Amazon this year So I bought it sight unseen And th- thought I would Check it out see what it's about because I found out It's based on the H.P. Lovecraft Short story of the same name And uh, stars one of his Famous characters Randolph Carter And it's about a creepy old House that's near a college campus that's uh, It's got a critter in it and that critter kills anything that enters the house. The critter that is unnameable, uh, and of course in this movie, a bunch of the college kids come there for a night of sex and partying, and hilarity ensues. So the the two lead guys in this, there's um like a they're kind of kind of like a Sherlock Holmes Watson kind of dynamic, and that's uh, Mark Kenzie Stevenson as Randolph Carter, and then Charles. King he's credited as Klaus Meyer on IMDB but at the time he was credited Charles King uh, as his buddy they're they're fun and they're, they go there to kind of save all the other kids because they figured out something goes wrong uh, they're fun but also the problem is is that the movie just moves really slowly and so much of this movie is spent wandering around this old creepy house it's only three stories tall with a basement but and it somehow dulls sound so you can't hear your friend being brutally ripped apart one room over. So it's 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 weird and it's hard to get through because it, it's a lot of a slog in this movie. Um, and the the '80s preppy white breads that they're there to save are, in some ways, almost scarier than the creature. They're about as milk toast white bread cracker as you can get. And the main Sherlock character, the Randolph Carter character, is so insufferably pompous and he never gets his comeuppance for it he just the entire time blithely goes through this movie as though he knows everything and he makes mistakes but nothing ever happens because of it he doesn't ever pay any penalties so that's a little bit annoying I will say this the creature is cool once we finally get the creature it is really cool it's a really awesome full body makeup job and but it's just such a grind to get to it uh, the basic premise of the movie is Goonie How is a house this dangerous And a creature this willing To go around and do things How, how has it been this close to a college campus For a hundred years And this is the first time some kids have gone in there And something has happened uh, And also <laughs> another nitpick It's called the unnameable But the creature has a name They give us the creature's name Right before the end of the movie Come on guys it's, You should call it the nameable it's, it's not a good movie, but it's it's nowhere near as bad as Howling 3, which is going to be my pariah this year as far as bad movies go. This one's actually watchable. It's just it's just kind of boring for most of its runtime. The, the Creature is great. Check it out for that. I just wish there had been more of The Creature. They just probably didn't have the budget. But uh, The Unnameable is worth checking out for The Creature if you're really into creature effects and uh, full-body practicals. So Day 27... I went over to uh, to Amazon And rented Wildling And this is a movie I'd heard a lot about It's from 2018, just came out this year uh, I came for Liv Tyler And Brad Dourif And I'm sad I did It was very disappointing I'm not sure how it got such a good critical reception It is very beautifully shot In a lot of the scenes And it was done for a meager budget So that's impressive um, They do have a good cast, as I said the uh, the main character is played by Bell Pauli. Uh, you remember from a Diary of a Teenage Girl, I believe, is the big movie she was in, and she's fascinating looking. She's great. She has these huge, almost too expressive eyes, and this kind of Maggie Gyllenhaal cheeks and features, and she is so engaging. You very much get drawn into her and her performance, and her performance in a lot of ways really saves a lot of things about this movie. Uh, It's about an isolated girl Taught to fear a forest creature Called the wildling wildling, By her strange controlling dad Played by Brad Dourif And of course At some point she's brought back to society And hilarity ensues And you get the usual tropes She meets a boy, the world is strange And she's trying to uh, Fish out of water kind of thing She goes to a high school party The bully tries to Harass her, etc. It's all this it's all the standard stuff. It's it's clumsy. It's too on the nose uh, with these fish out of water sequences in the first act. And there's a lot of I thought unrealistic character actions, stuff that uh, a character in the situation that she was in would not have done, and other characters too. There's uh, there's other scenes where in one scene a character will be showing sensitivity towards her and compassion. And then, in the next scene, be completely clueless and unempathetic with her. And there's these wild swings in character depictions. And uh, there's there's one character in this movie. is this cartoonish character that is so obtrusively outlandish that he's hilariously, he sticks out like a sore thumb. And they never explain him. He's just there. He's just there. And doesn't do anything. He he gives a little bit of exposition in a couple of scenes and then people just wander away from him and he just stays doing what he's doing. You're who is this guy? Why is this guy? What is this guy? You never know. And this movie never really lets us know what world we're living in. There's sometimes where it feels like it's a little bit left of reality. And it never really puts its foot in either one And lets us know definitively If we're in its world, its own world Or if we're in our world So I felt like just a lot of things were uneven about this movie And it could have been so much better I was really let down I had high expectations Which was probably my problem So if you go in with lowered expectations It is a very watchable movie but if you're just looking for a girl coming-of-age movie, a horror movie, and you but you want to be shocked a little bit more, go check out Raw. That's a really good one that I think I was trying to fill my void with this one. Uh, I was trying to fill my, my Raw void with this one. That just sounded wrong. I'm moving on. Wildling was fine, but not great. Uh, check it out if you want, if you're into that sort of thing. Uh, and you want to see Liv Tyler and Brad Dourif. Day 28, I watched Pieces from 1985 on the Shutter streaming service. Oh man, I went full on schlock with this one. Uh, it's a uh, yeah, it is just a B, C, it's like a C movie I would say. It's a, a, a kid kills his mom and then years later someone is killing students on a, on a remarkably unpopulated college campus. Although the people it's populated with are topless a lot, I will say that. Um, and then blood boobs and hilarity ensue uh yeah so it is utter schlock but it is hilarious hilariously bad unlike my whipping boy this year uh, howling three this one's actually really fun to watch and hate there's all the typical cliche dumb slasher tropes uh you've got a it's a chainsaw wielding maniac stalking newbile co-eds what do you want it's not rocket science uh, it has a It's got American producers, writers And cast But it was directed by a Spanish director And filmed in Spain And pretending it was Boston So as a result It feels like it's Like a 70's European Like sexploitation Horror movie More than anything else um, If this weren't so full Of gore and nudity It would be ripe for like Riff tracks or MST3K Destruction I don't know if they could show this without they'd have to edit it so hard it wouldn't even be fun but you can absolutely get together with a bunch of friends have some beers have some shots and just tear this movie apart and just start howling laughing because of the insane plot holes and terrible acting and just over the top everything over the top everything there's even a random kung fu scene which I will not be able to do justice if I try to describe how just out of nowhere it is. It starts, in, it starts out of nowhere and ends with just blatant racism, a blatantly racist character who then just runs away. It was, it was outstanding. I don't know if that's where Peter Jackson got the idea for, for his kung fu scene in Brain Dead, but maybe because it's just so out of nowhere. Yeah, so Pieces, check it out if you want to watch an absolutely crappy movie with tons of gore and boobs uh and nudity all over the place, terrible acting. Um yeah, unless you unless you think it's all boobs, don't worry. Everyone gets full frontal in this. So yeah, Pieces uh it it's quite an experience. Day 29 I went a little bit left here and watched Sugar Hill it is st- streaming right now on Amazon Prime, it's from 1974 I heard this movie was by the company that did Blackula, and I wanted to see what they were going to do with zombies, so yeah, that's what it was it's a black exploitation film with zombies, which means you got the funky music you've got the 70's attitude it's awesome, so it's You have a woman, uh, like a a Pam Greer Light, wants revenge for her murdered lover who was killed in a a squabble over ownership of his nightclub, as you are. Uh, She goes to see her witch doctor. She randomly knows a witch doctor, okay, whose name is uh, Mama Matress, who's by the way, played by Mama Jefferson, Zara Cully. That was a nice little cameo. Um, And she goes to talk to her witch doctor. Her witch doctor puts her in touch with of uh, the voodoo gods and zombies come and hilarity ensues. Yeah, it's it's Foxy Brown meets Lucio Fulci, uh, only without the extreme gore of Lucio Fulci and without Pam Greer. Um, I was worried this was going to be just another another run of the mill black exploitation film until that scene when they start to resurrect the dead, and then. I got real happy. Things got awesome. The These were very obviously low-budget zombies. They don't look rotting dead. They just look like... They, they definitely look voodoo dead. They're very stylized. They have like body paint and really un, unrealistic cobwebs on them. Uh, but then they've also got these silver eyes. And it looks really cool. Not so great up close, but from a distance, it looks. I thought it looked really cool. Uh, it does have all of the usual tropes of these kinds of movies. You've got, as I said, the '70s dialogue and verbiage. You've got racial epithets being thrown around as casually as we say "dude." They're throwing around some n bombs. Uh, so if you're super sensitive, don't watch it. But it's it was it was the time. Uh, there's you know the, it's the mafia trying to run down honest workers and there's afros and there's bell bottoms and funky funky music and then there's zombies and voodoo priests is it's great it's like pizza and beer it just it works zombies voodoo and black exploitation it freaking works this movie's the proof of it uh, it is kind of a throwback to a pre Night of the Living Dead style zombie that uh, you know where you have like. Like King of the Zombies or White Zombie, where it's a bit more of the classic slow, slow moving, uh, raised by voodoo Haitian magic. There's a a racial undertone to it, Um, as opposed to being non-magic and you know nothing to do with race. It's just we're we're all the zombies. We're all zombies. Was was George Romero's thesis? Well, before that, it was fear of the other and fear of. Uh, race differences and that's where it initially came from way back at the beginning I could do a whole show just on zombie history I won't get into it now suffice it to say this one is this movie's a ton of fun it's just goofy 70s goodness and if you like uh, any of those movies from that era shaft Superfly Blackula uh, Black belt Jones check out Sugar Hill dolomite yeah this will this will this will scratch that itch and you can watch it around Halloween. And it'll get your uh, get your juices going So there is no gore to speak of sadly But the zombies do look super cool As I said, so check out Sugar Hill If you want to get your fix uh, So day 30 I decided to finally Watch my, my last, my final My third Foreign language film I went to France And I went to 2007 So I could satisfy my aughts at the same time I got two birds with one stone And I watched Frontier's on Shudder. And uh, I, I, I got the, the French movie out of the way. I got the 2000s movie out of the way. But sadly, I also got my torture porn movie. Uh, my torture porn movie. And it was not a goal I meant to have, but I ended up doing it anyway. Although the scene that disturbed me the most, would you believe it, was the opening shot of an ultrasound of a three-month-old fetus, which, oh, oh it was just weird. And the sound effects, oh, oh. I, hate, I hate it. Um, so the movie... Paris is rioting due to the election of a far-right president, and this young pregnant woman and a small group of uh, street thugs It's never really, never really defined if they robbed a bank or what happened, but uh, they all escape the city to the countryside, like near the Belgian border, and they end up getting captured and tortured by a family of neo-Nazis. Yeah, so that's that's there's the plot. That's it. That's all there is to the movie. Is they get to the neo Nazis' place and then torture, torture, torture. Um, that being said, I know it's torture porn, and typically that's a death, like a death knell for any movie. But, but this is French New Extremity, which means there's more going on here. It is actually pretty wild uh, on a lot of levels. How relevant this movie is to today in America, ten years after this movie came out. There's a line in the movie as they're watching this this far right president get elected. France is America 10 years ago. We've got our Bush now. And so to look at the kind of unrest going on in the U.S. today and then looking back at France in the mid-2000s when they were having these kinds of social movements going on and then back to the U.S. Uh, before that, it's a, it's a pretty wild thing to, to see. Um, now as far as the gore in this movie, I did love a few of the kills. I'm I'm a bit of a gore hound. I can be. And I loved a few of the kills in this movie. There's a table saw scene that's a standout. But there's also a lot of bloat and mindless violence that's just there for viciousness's sake and can definitely be categorized as torture porn. It's just just there to be shocking and gross. And that's where you lose me. Um, If it's, you know. So there were strong vibes of... Like OG Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but it didn't really have the creativity to make it its own. It, it just felt like an echo or a knockoff. Because some of the the insanity of Texas Chainsaw Massacre just it's so, it gets so far out there in terms of the world and not necessarily the actions, and that's what made it stand out. This the actions are extreme, but the world is fairly normal. We've seen it. Uh, this is pretty standard stuff It doesn't really elevate or <laughs> deprecate however, The micro-genre, if you will um, I wasn't really impressed by a lot of that Although you can't fault the acting And, and you can't fault the effects They're all pretty solid uh, At the end of the day, though For me, the movie was more about like Looking at the meaning behind it Because as with a lot of French New Extremity uh, I do try to find... The intelligence behind it because they were really trying to make points with a lot of these movies unlike you know say like the saw movies or the hostile movies where they really didn't have as much of a a social meaning behind them and at the end of this movie right at the end i i i kind of saw this that through the juxtaposition of the continuing ascension of the right-wing government in the background of the story there was a I felt a very potent message about confronting the ugliness of one's own countrymen who have given in to hatred and fascistic tendencies. Um, there's this horrific fact that such beliefs and tendencies exist within our own borders. And the movie is called Frontiers or Borders. And how when we're faced with that fact and trapped and beaten down by those ideologies and, and being forced literally to marry, int- marry yourself to them and accept them, uh, there is just no choice at that point but to destroy those who enforce and embody those ideologies, despite the risk to oneself. So, and it's saying anarchy and lawlessness isn't the answer either. Uh, at the end, according to the end of this movie, but at the end of the day, it's saying there's no place for fascism in a supposedly civilized country, whether it's in the city or if it's taking root in the outliers of the countryside. So, I felt like there was a lot going on underneath. All of the gore and viciousness, and I definitely made me appreciate this a little bit more. So it, it elevated it above basic torture porn, but it's not as strong or smart or heavy a message as, say, Martyrs from the same movement. But it's not to be ignored. So check out Frontiers if you want a very heavy, very gory, very brutal movie, uh, and that's currently on Shutter, as I said. And finally, Day Thirty-One, the last movie of the marathon. I went with Mandy and this is a movie that had been talked up to me for a while now, for months now. People had said I had to watch it. Uh, Probably the most requested movie this year for me to watch so uh, I put this last as kind of a a denouement, a a finale and uh, it is a movie from this year. You can currently rent it on Amazon although I believe it should be going up on Shudder any day now. Uh, So, Mandy uh, this is going to be Interesting to try and describe Mandy Because it's difficult to describe It's basically Nick Cage Going on a revenge spree Against psycho Hellraiser bikers And Manson-like hippie cult members But I know that sounds awesome But it's not what you think It, it, mm, It is, but it isn't Okay, it opens with a King Crimson song And that is appropriate This film is kind of like King Crimson Or Dream Theater It's technically brilliant And it moves at its own pace, its own hallucinatory pace. And sometimes that means it's nonsensical or feels pretentious. It is not for everyone. Uh, If you've seen Beyond the Black Rainbow It's directed by uh, Panos Cosmatos Who directed that as well He's, By the way, he's the son of George Cosmatos Who directed Tombstone And this movie is about as far from Tombstone As one movie can be from another This movie is John Wick On 40 tabs of blotter acid Dropped in a blender With Mad Max uh, Heavy metal, the movie And a European art film Um, The visuals are incredible It looks amazing The lighting and the colors are unbelievable They shot it on on an old, old camera To try and get the effect It's very much like 80's throwback effect And sound Uh, If you're into uh, More like the 80's aesthetic This movie will absolutely tickle your funny bone Um, Sometimes the the shots The the colors cross the entire spectrum in one shot If you've seen Annihilation uh, The recent movie Annihilation It does a very similar thing where you've got uh, c- colors being shot into the camera, and you see like the whole spectrum in one shot. Uh, this movie, it's just it's just the lighting of the film. It's not a special effect trying to indicate something. It's just the film. Um, and sometimes the lighting is so specific that characters can't even move in a shot, uh, lest they screw up the tableau he's trying to create here, which lends itself to the slowness of this movie. Uh, again, the music is incredible. It's by uh, Johan Johansson, who passed away earlier this year in February. And it's, you know, he also did Sicario and Arrival. It's really great. It's the last score he did. Um, and it, that alone is very engaging. And they let Nick Cage off the leash. They let him get all kinds of kooky in the second half of this movie. So I was starting to get afraid about a half an hour in this movie that it was not a horror movie, that it was just this weird art film. I was wrong. It is a horror movie. Just wait for this movie to unleash. The the madness and gore of the second half definitely make this a horror movie. Uh, Two words chainsaw duel. Yeah. I don't know if I could ever say this movie becomes an action movie. There are action scenes, but it stays very slow paced through the whole thing. Very much a trippy movie. To reiterate, it is not for everyone. But it's awesome in a really, really out there way. You have to know what you're getting in for with this. Don't let people say, oh, it's a great action horror movie. It's not It's not an action horror movie. It's a head trip with insane Nicolas Cage and a ton of gore and some really pretty stuff. Uh, and it's very, 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 very weird. Uh, but Mandy's worth a look if you just enjoy beautiful films. So... Ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up the Horror Palooza movie marathon for 2018. Uh, we've got more show ahead of us, but really quickly to kind of cap off the marathon here, I thought it was a, a pretty solid year. I saw a lot of good films. I saw a lot of modern movies. I kind of feel bad about that. I got to fix that next year and, and kind of spread it out more. Uh, and it was a, it was kind of a close one getting that last requirement in there, getting the language film and the aughts, but I pulled it off. But as I said, we are not done yet. We've got a lot more to get to. Uh, Let's talk the scariest movie moments one more time. Uh, I've been asking people for the last few weeks to write me, hit me up on Facebook and Twitter, and let me know what your scariest movie moment is. The movie moment that messed you up the most, freaked you out, stuck with you. I specifically, I had a lot of people write in just movies and I kind of ignored those because I want specific scenes. I want moments. Because we know a lot of, like, we've got all the top 10 scariest movie lists. They're out there. I wanted moments. I wanted personal moments that messed people up. And I got a lot of them. And a lot of people had very similar ones, unsurprisingly. Uh, so let's start into this. We had, uh, right off the bat, we had, we had a bunch of movies that a lot of people agreed on. Like uh, It, the original It. Uh, Will said I saw it The clown at a young age and took me a long time To be able to pee at night on my own uh, Thanks to my sis standing at the door I still hate clowns to this day Lisa agrees and says it coming out of the Shower drain messed her up Uh, Candyman Candyman of all Movies got a ton of hits Uh, Katrina M Hillary C BJ Tasha Danny all wrote me to say that They're now scared of mirrors in bathrooms Whether the lights are on or off Poltergeist, The OG Poltergeist also got some love. Uh, Katrina M. also said the clown and that. Raffaella agreed. Uh, Jim B. said the TV voice, the TV static and the voice in Poltergeist. This is actually a bit of a... Uh, TV static seems to get people a lot. I also had a lot of people say that The Ring messed them up. Uh, Jay says that she still can't watch TV static uh, and she prefers the Japanese version of The Ring, although Amelia and Tiffany agree that The Ring... Uh, the TV scene in the ring particularly scared them. Um, Pet Cemetery got some love. We had uh, Jeff, Amelia, and uh, Ava, who said that uh, saw this movie as a six-year-old kid, and the scene where the kid slashes someone's Achilles tendon. The floor in my bedroom was hot lava for a year after that, uh, for years after that. And then Niles says the flashback where you see the sister with spinal meningitis. Literally ran out of the room and never came back it 's going to be curious to see what they do with these scenes in the new pet cemetery that 's coming out next year. The trailer so far, I thought looked solid for it, but those scenes for anyone who grew up in the era uh, that I did, the scenes from the original pet cemetery pet pet cemetery still still let 's be clear, one of the scariest damn movies of all time, and those two scenes are probably the iconic, scary moments from that movie that or the cat. Um. So yeah, they definitely agree with them On Pet Cemetery. The Exorcist, of course, got some love uh, Tina S. said The Exorcist, when her head spins around She still can't watch that movie Damien and Steve B. also agree with that uh, The Shining had a lot of love here Eliza G. said she's still Afraid of closed shower curtains Danny P. said the naked Slash dead old lady Alok said the two girls in the hall Oh, that still gets me too and uh, Ron K said He knows jump scares are often Pretty low hanging fruit But Scatman Crothers getting the axe in the chest Nearly gave him a heart attack The entire theater nearly jumped out of it sea- and, and every showing He says he was an usher at the theater at the time So yeah The Shining still holds up After all this time uh, Here's one that got a lot of love That's very close to my heart And that's Jacob's Ladder a, I think a really underrated slept on film I heard they were remaking it Please God don't let them remake this movie It is a perfect movie Stephen Kay said The hospital scene in Jacob's Ladder Still bothers him Susan C said uh, The vibrating figures The demons in Jacob's Ladder Particularly the ones on the subway car Were deep uh, deeply unsettling for her um, wholesome natural things do not move that way. Yeah, that was actually, and that was so ahead of its time with the kind of some of the uh, the effects they were using on the creatures in that movie. And it was stolen for years and years afterwards. And still, I think a lot of horror movies owe a lot to Jacob's Ladder. And people here were questioning if it was even a horror film. It absolutely is a horror film. That movie messed me up as a kid. Uh, uh, Devil's Advocate stole a bunch of stuff from it along with the House on Haunted Hill remake so definitely Jacob's Ladder I think counts as a lot of great really terrifying scenes in that that really hold up uh, let's see Amelia N said Exorcist 3 the old lady crawling on the ceiling at the mental institution uh, oh yeah or the the big nun with the with the scissors in that movie too Oof. Uh, Mike C says the first sighting of the underground creature in Descent Lauren says uh, he thinks it's maybe more sci-fi than horror but the vampires in Omega Man scared the living shit out of him as a young'un and uh, yeah I I think of all of the iterations of I Am Legend Omega Man or Last Man on Earth are definitely the best scariest ones Uh, Thea says the skeleton key during the flashback when you realize you're watching the family is lynching their own children Uh, I, I, I haven't seen the skeleton key in a long time maybe I'll have to recheck that out uh, either for next year's marathon or before Matt M says The original Westworld When he was a kid When Yul Brenner's face opens up the show He's a bot It freaked his shit out uh, Had Chad say Oddly as a little kid the banshee in Darby O'Gill and the little people is it he says horror movies are his favorite genre but nothing gives him the willies like the memory of that moment as a child I have to say I I discounted myself from childhood ones because it's so easy to be freaked out as a child I still have memories of being terrified by the wolf in the never ending story as a kid so uh, I definitely hear how how childhood trauma can last the rest of your life even if it's in a non-horror movie Let's see, we also had Adriana who said the birds, to this day large flocks of birds, freak her out. Carla said dead silence. The scene towards the end when you see Mary Shaw's face right before she lunges at the main character and cuts off his tongue, made her scream in the theater and also calls out Devil's Backbone, Guillermo del Toro's Devil's Backbone. The first time you see Santi while he's stalking Carlos around the orphanage. Devil's Backbone by the way one of my favorite movies definitely if you have not seen Devil's Backbone you must check it out absolutely fantastic movie one of my favorite Guillermo del Toro movies if not my favorite Brother Man writes in as a young child the scene at the end of the original Carrie when you think everything is over and all is well and the hand comes up out of the ground. That's an all-time classic, and I'm actually kind of surprised more people didn't say the same thing, but uh, that is that is an all-time classic jump scare, one of the great ending jump scares of all time. That in the, the original Friday the 13th. Danny P says, uh, the skin being ripped off in Hellraiser, I'm assuming he means when the hooks go into Uncle Frank and he gets ripped apart. He also says, Nosferatu's cold, dead stare. Man, Nosferatu made so so long ago almost a hundred years ago and that movie still freaks people out man Max Shrek really had something there Uh, Andy K says Amityville Horror the get out scene with the priest he says he was maybe 9 or 10 the movie doesn't have much visual horror but the illusion of Lucifer taking over a family and their home freaks him out also the kid having an imaginary pig friend named Jody is a big hell no and I'll give a big old double down to that Gary G says he saw Hellraiser at a really young age, and when Christie was trying to solve LaMarchand's box, he was watching through his fingers. Also, Dr. Decker's first appearance in Nightbreed made him say, oh shit, out loud in the theater. And then we've got a couple more Sam S. said The original Texas Chainsaw Massacre When they keep showing The green and red Extreme close-ups of Sally's eyes While she's screaming non-stop At the dinner table With Leatherface's family It's so much more Torture pornish Than anything I've seen since And the screaming Really stuck in my head That is one of the all-time I think one of the all-time Great, scary scenes So many movies Including ones I even talked about This year Have tried to rip that off Frontiers almost does that scene Exactly uh, with different results I've, I've seen it so many times Because that is such an iconic scene It's when the madness really opens up in that movie Such a good epic scene Diana Nectarine says Freddy eating all those people And them pushing through his stomach I'm assuming she's meaning Nightmare Elm Street 4 I believe that was Where he had all the faces in his stomach He'd eaten all their souls uh, That was always a cool effect I loved that the first time I saw it Simon says the chestburster scene in Alien That's a classic Catherine S., says, recently, The Hereditary Head Rolls and The Haunting of Hill House Kittens. That's right, Haunting of Hill House, now on Netflix. Uh, and Hereditary was a great movie I watched in, well, I guess, what I'll call the off-season. <laughs> uh, so, everyone, thank you so much for writing in on this. Uh, really great responses. I really appreciate you guys taking the time to write in and weigh in on this. A uh, lot of great scenes. If you have not seen any of those scenes people reference. I don't think we had a bad one. I think all of them are really worth checking out. There was none I kind of went, "Oh, come on, you wimp." Those were all legit scary things. So, thank you very much for that. So, I guess it is it is time to reveal mine—the scene that messed me up the most. And as I've been teasing, it's a little bit left field. Uh, although we did have someone write in, a wrote in and mentioned it uh, in our survey here. But I I have to I had to take this aside from me because. It's a weird one. It's from Angel Heart, of all things, uh, which is a 1987 movie with Robert De Niro, Mickey Rourke, and Lisa Bonet. It's a little bit under the radar. Not a lot of people know about it, but it has been starting to resurface a little bit more. I've seen it out there a bit more. Um, I can't really talk about the scariest scene without completely spoiling the movie, and it's one of my favorite movies to just tell people to go watch, knowing nothing about it, because the more you know about it, the more you will not be able to appreciate it and how shocking it is uh, at least as it was for me the first time I watched it and I watched it for the first time when I was in college when I was living on my own for the first time had my own apartment and watched the movie and the very last scene of the movie which involves a baby a yellow eyed baby and I will I'll put this one way I'm not a fan of babies I don't like babies the whole thing freaks me out one of, the, one of the scenes that made me the most disturbed in any film was the crowning scene in Knocked Up. So that's kind of where I'm at with the whole thing. So first of all, you've got a baby. Second of all, the way that they filmed this scene with the baby and the, way, the thing that it does absolutely just messed me up to my core. I had those chills all the way up and down my spine. All, my, I had goosebumps. My hair was standing on end everywhere on my body. And of course, then it goes to the credits, and these, this creepy music in the credits. And I press stop on the VHS player dating myself there. And the entire room goes black because the TV turns off. And in order to get myself to the light switch, to turn on the lights in my apartment where I was living by myself, I had to press play on the damn movie and have the creepy music play me to the light switch to the light of the credits going up the screen. And uh, I, I had started the movie when it was light out When it was dark when I was done And I was not prepared For that to happen And that has stuck with me to this very day As being the most freaked out By a movie ever I had to watch the credits with the scary music Just to get across the room So that was the one that did it The worst to me Angel Heart 1987 I recommend checking it out It is actually an awesome movie that scene probably won't freak you out the way it did me. I think it just hit the right nerve, as the best scary scenes in movies do. That's why they have so many different ones. You never know who's going to get messed up by what. As you could probably tell from the previous segment there, we were talking about everyone's different, freakiest moments. That's They're all over the place. I love it. Thank you very much, everybody, for joining me on that. But before we get out of the show today, we do have our top ten list, and that is the top ten Horrorpalooza Discoveries. Over the last few years of doing this marathon, and these are the movies that I I thought were particularly stand like. I when I watched them, I was surprised because I was not expecting this movie to be so good. I, usually, they're ones that I picked randomly or ones I didn't know anything about, and as a result, they were. I was pleasantly surprised. So these are the discoveries I was surprised the most by. Ones that I would recommend to other people uh, that I found because. I'm doing this horror marathon, and it makes me dive deeper into horror movies, the ones that are out there, and find some movies that maybe not everyone has seen. So from this year, I didn't include ones from this year, uh, but I did have a couple this year that I thought were great, like Wacket* and Girl with the Gifts in particular, I thought were ones that I was not expecting to be as good as they were, uh, and I would recommend to people to check out. Um... But, uh, and I also, eh, there's one that just barely didn't make the list. And I I wish I could have included it. I've mentioned it a few times, and that's Clown. But uh, I feel like clowns are oversaturated this year. I felt like clowns were everywhere. And so I had to take it off the list because I'm kind of sick of clowns now as a result. (laughs) Maybe it's just the resurgence of it. And maybe it's just clowns time. People are sick of zombies, so now it's just clowns. I don't know. But Clown is a really good movie. I was surprised how good it was. It's on Netflix right now. Check it out if you if you, if you you get a second. It is, it is really good. But these are the top 10 discoveries, movies I had not seen before that I just watched randomly and it ended up being really good. Number 10 from 1976, Who Can Kill a Child? And uh, it is, as the title would indicate... About killer children on a tiny island in Spain It's really good It's actually surprisingly good A little bit slow getting going But it is really gnarly at the end I was su- I was shocked at how uh, f- Genuinely freaky this movie was And it never goes as extreme As it could have I thought it was very restrained in a lot of ways And as a result I thought it was more effective So check out Who Can Kill a Child Unfortunately it's kind of hard to find I believe you can uh, you can rent it, or you can just buy it on Blu-ray. Uh, but streaming on Hulu, you can watch my number nine pick. I saw the devil from Korea from 2010. Uh, if you like Old Boy, it stars Min Sik Choi. Only he is the bad guy in this. He's a serial killer, and this movie is a just a a, a ton of. Brutality. It's a, a cop who releases a serial killer in order to make him kill again so that he has justification to kill him because the serial killer killed his girlfriend. It's convoluted. But I also like the fact that it is a little bit of a strange, almost other world that the movie operates in. It's a, it's a world where there's just tons of depraved serial killers around. They have their own society. Everyone's a little bit superhuman. It's a lot I won't say fun. It's one of those Korean revenge films. It's not fun, but it's definitely entertaining, and it's intense as hell. And I loved it. Number eight, Society, directed by Brian Yuzna, who you might know from the Reanimator movies. Uh, he was the producer for the first two, and he directed the third one. Uh, it's from 1989. Here's another movie that is uh, very slow in the beginning, and I watched this with my horror brother Andy a couple years ago uh, for the for the marathon. And we both were kind of despairing at a certain point in the movie. And then the ending happened. And I do not understate when I say that the ending of this movie is one of the most gonzo crazy things I've ever seen in my entire horror-watching existence. And it's worth getting through the previous hour and 20 minutes just for that. Because it is completely bananas. So check out Society if you really want to be blown off your seat. Uh, we were not ready. We were not at all ready. I don't know in, if in all the years that he and I have been watching horror movies together, we have never been as stunned into silence. My jaw was open for so long, my tongue was dry at the ending of this movie. I'll leave it at that. Number seven was We Are Still Here. Uh, you can currently rent that on most platforms for two ninety nine From 2015 and stars Barbara Crampton... From Reanimator uh, Who will always be wonderful This is a really I, th- I thought it was an underratedly creepy film There's a lot of uh, there's, It's a ghost movie It's also Lovecraftian And it does a lot of things in very unique ways And it goes really hard When it finally goes hard Also shout out to Larry Fassenden Who shows up for a really great cameo in this movie So I, I don't want to give away Anything about this movie Another one that really It's best to go in knowing nothing but it is a really nice Nasty little watch Number 6 is an odd one It's called The Hallow And it's an Irish movie from 2015 If you have Showtime It's for free on Showtime Or it's a $4 rental most other places This is I, I was not ready for this one I thought it was going to be something completely different And I again I don't want to ruin it But it's an Irish family that mo- or It's a family that moves from the city into the country uh, Just a husband and wife and uh, things go wrong. Hilarity ensues, and they go wrong in ways that I was not expecting at all. And uh, there is a lot of—I uh, really don't want to even say what it what it's similar to for fear of spoiling it. But uh, it's a—it gets really cool and very unique and for movies. I haven't seen it done in movies before. But uh, things get very, very messed up. Um, but it's almost more of a. a Kind of a fantasy monster movie as well So well worth checking out The Hallow I don't know if I would straight up call it A a horror film Although it has horrific elements uh, But it definitely would qualify for The marathon and it did because it has enough Horror in it to absolutely be on This list and you should check it out Number five The Black Coat's Daughter if you've seen Hereditary or The Witch You know what kind of movies A24 puts out They're very thoughtful slow moving intelligent horror movies and The Black Coat's Daughter is one of those it's currently streaming on Shudder or you can rent it for a buck on Amazon Prime Uh, it's from uh, let's see 2015 it is a really good slow paced freaky movie that just gets under your skin don't expect any big jump scares don't expect any big dramatic moments it's one that you think about for a long time afterwards and just get creeped out by and I want to watch it again and again because I feel like you pick up more the more you really study it. It's a fantastic movie. Very much recommend The Black Coat's Daughter. Number four, Outcast. And this is a tough one to find. It's really hard to find, largely because there's a, a TV series of the same name that it keeps getting confused by. And this is not This is not on any streaming services. I have it on DVD. I don't even know if it's on Blu-ray. It's from 2010. It's a British film. It stars James Nesbitt, you might remember from The Hobbit, and Kate Dickey from Game of Thrones. She was the mom and the witch. Uh, this is a really, I thought, a cool, unique movie. There's been some difference of opinion online about this. I thought it was really cool and unique. Low budget, very low budget. But I thought that the the characters in it and the way that the plot moves was very surprising to me over and over again. And uh, just, there was, it was a darkness to this and a realism to it. It's a... Uh, um, there's magic in this. It's a, a witch who's on the run from a warlock who needs to capture her to get revenge. And she's trying to protect her son from these these warlocks. And the reason why she's protecting her son is, I, th- I thought it was cool as hell. So it's, again, really hard to find, but well worth a watch. Uh, and check out Outcast if you can. One word. Number three, you heard me mention it earlier in the show, Raw. 2016 from France It is currently streaming on Netflix And that's like the only place you can get it You can't even buy a Blu-ray of this thing uh, It is a coming of age Film about a vegan girl Who goes to veterinarian school And Her older sister is there And she kind of indoctrinates her Into this other this world of being A mature person uh, I know that sounds boring But uh, what if I drop the word Cannibalism in there yeah, it's, uh, it is a really, really gnarly movie. Very much uh, one that I could watch over and over again and pick up new things every time. Uh, I was a big, big fan of it when it came out. And if you watch French movies, you know that they do not hold back. They do not mess around. Raw is an awesome watch, but you better have a strong stomach. If you want to watch it Number two Starry Eyes And this was one It was kind of perennially On the streaming services For a while Now you can only find it On Shudder I believe uh, Or you'll have to rent it It's from 2014 And it is I was blown away At this movie It's a body horror uh, Kind of thriller And it stars a, a girl Who's trying to make it In Hollywood And will do anything To make it in Hollywood and then that's when things start to go wrong, when she takes an audition that she probably shouldn't have. And uh, I, won't, I will leave it at that. Suffice it to say, it gets very dark. It gets very gross. Uh, some of the stuff reminded me uh, a little bit of Infected, uh, another movie that came out recently. But um, the ending is fantastic. I thought the movie absolutely nailed it and uh, it's well worth a watch. Really, really good, solid film that I, I thought landed every punch it tried to throw. And finally, my number one movie, and this might be a controversial pick, uh, uh, Late Phases from 2014. It's currently on Shutter. It is from the same Larry Facenden crew that a lot of these movies come out of, and it stars Nick D'Amici. If you've seen Steakland. uh, you won't recognize him here. And the reason that this is in my number one spot is not because of the werewolf effects. And it is a werewolf movie. The werewolf effects are pretty terrible. They look like giant bunnies. Um, although they sell it well at some scenes. Some scenes, don't. it looks terrible. Uh, I'm not picking it because of the werewolves. I'm not picking it because of the horror aspects of it, which are pretty solid. It's, uh, it's basically an old folks home is being attacked by werewolves and only one hard-ass dude a hard-ass old man can can protect himself and protect the community. I'm picking this because of Nick D'Amici's performance in this. He plays, I believe it was 15 or 20 years older than he actually is, and he plays blind. And it's fantastic. He's absolutely one of my favorite characters I've come across in movies in years. His character in this movie is absolutely amazing, and I love watching it. Uh, This is a movie that absolutely has fell through so many cracks and a lot of people don't rate it very highly because they concentrate on the werewolves in this. I say go in for his character and you will have a blast because it is just a joy to watch this character do what he does in this movie. Really, really well done, I thought, as far as his performance. So that is my top 10 Horrorpalooza discoveries for the last few years of this marathon. And that is it. For this year's Gala Blowout Halloween Horror Marathon final episode. Stay tuned though, because Horror Palooza will, uh, looks like it will become a monthly show, maybe bi monthly, with different topics every show. Uh, we'll be reviewing new and old horror movies or series. We'll be talking horror with some guests and more. We got a bunch of stuff planned. Thank you to everyone who's making this show possible Nick Howell of the Orbital Jigsaw Network, the Tiki Creeps 414 Bag for the music. And thank you to everyone who put up with me this month while I was a movie zombie over the last 31 days. But thank you, everyone, for checking us out. Thank you, everyone, who wrote in. Once again, I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous or at Skinless Wonder. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you right here next time on...